inconsistency destroys companies. So how do you solve that? The best way I've seen is to take everybody together and have them write out their individual sales process. Then you can take the best practices from each of them and write the standard. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. I'm your host, Jackie Abel, and I'm currently busy recording brand new interviews with our favorite contractors for season two of the podcast, which will debut Tuesday, September 1st. Until then, we're featuring episodes of other great podcasts who focus on helping service entrepreneurs like you grow your business. Today's episode is called How to Get Your Audience to Trust You from Mike and Ryan at Big Sales Studs. Their mission is to give contractors like yourself the tools they need to become great at selling. In this episode, they talk about the importance of consistency selling, the importance of SOPs, and how you can leverage local media in your service areas to educate future clients. Enjoy! Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Stud Sales Podcast, where I hope to help you nail construction selling. I'm Mike Claudio, owner of Winrate Consulting. I am a construction sales, business development, and leadership coach who focuses specifically on the remodeling industry. And I brought in my marketing expert, Ryan. Yeah, guys, my name's Ryan Weber, and I am the owner of Ryan Weber Marketing, where we focus on video and digital marketing. We want to help people understand how to get the right message and put it in front of the right person through the crazy digital world. And we are going to lead you to the business that you're hoping to have. Before we get in the podcast, let me tell you about the School of Construction Selling. I recorded over let's see, six days with Mike to get all of the content that goes into the School of Construction Selling. And what it is, it's basically his life's work of sales process. And it's really, really high quality educational content to help, especially construction business owners, make the right decisions in their sales process. We have over 55 videos. We're adding to it regularly to give you more content that's pertinent with the ever-changing market. And if you want some more information as far as how to get involved and learn from what Mike has done, check out the show notes, shoot him a DM at WinRate Consulting on Instagram, and he'll be able to give you the link of how to get going. Let's get on to the episode. It must be so cool to be a stutter stud at. You know what I mean? Like, they must be having so much fun listening to us. And I hope so. That's what, that's the, that's what we're shooting for, right? <laughs> it's always the goal. Do you, have you seen the, the sticker that Sydney made that we're going to try and get added to Instagram? Uh-uh. Pretty badass. Is it the one of you dancing? No, that was that <laughs> might be the best engaged post I've ever had. If you're not following at Winry Consulting on Instagram, we did a post about me warming up for the podcast, and there was a little gift that... Sydney created for me and it's funny. It's it turned it turned out good. It is something. No, nah, you even you, you laugh when you saw it, be honest. I was the one taking the pictures. I knew what it was. Oh man. I'm really glad we caught that. 
What's up, studs and studettes? We are in week three of business development best practices. We believe, I think, and me and Ryan feel very strongly about people who do business with you. They need to know you. They need to like you. They need to trust you. And the last two episodes, if you did not catch them, go back, listen to them, um, because it is incredibly important to understand this process from the beginning. You can't be trusted if you're not liked. You can't be liked if you're not known. You can't close business if you're not in the game. So this week, we're going to talk about being being trusted. How do you become a trusted service provider or business owner or salesperson or whatever you are in your market for your market target? And uh, we talked last week a lot about ways to become liked. And my opinion is the only way to become trusted is to become consistent. I think people realize both from a homeowner, from a consumer, from a referral partner that, hey, you did it this week, but a lot of people did it once. A lot of people helped me once. A lot of people answered their phone once, but they've been burned a lot. You have to appreciate the environment and the mindset around the people who are out there that you're trying to get in front of. They have been burned just like you have. Think about the last time you tried getting a framing crew or a drywall crew or a flooring crew and they showed up on time last week, but they didn't this week. And the guys that showed up this week were different than the guys that showed up last week. There's just no consistency. So you have to approach them with less trust. Yeah. I mean, a consistent experience. So you know exactly what you're getting goes a long way. You know, if, if you go to McDonald's and one week you get amazing service and the next week you get terrible service and it takes four let's not use mcdonald's there's a new restaurant in town you go to that new restaurant week one it's amazing you know food's awesome the waiter was was great and you know you got your food in and out everything was happy the next week you go and it took 45 minutes for them to come over and take your order you never got your drinks they messed up on your order you might try them one more time but a lot of times people are like no that's it so you weren't consistent you went back and it wasn't good and I'm done. Well, I mean, McDonald's isn't a bad example because Chick-fil-A is killing everybody right you know, now. If you go to a Chick-fil-A, what you're getting every, every time and every location. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, you might be getting the same menu at McDonald's, but you're not getting the same experience. Mm-hmm. And that is a great example. I don't think that's where you're going with it, no, but like, that's where I was trying to go with it. But like McDonald's, <laughs> Arby's, Wendy's, Burger King, Combined make less money than Chick-fil-A does. Mm-hmm. And it Chick-fil-A doesn't do anything else other than be consistent and communicate. And they don't do anything on Sunday. Yeah, they're beating everybody <laughs> with one-seventh less time to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's because they have a consistent experience and they're proactively communicating generously and politely. They're authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing I can say about people that work there. You can believe, like, they're just being themselves. But when it comes to being trusted in this environment, they have to know what they're going to get when they get with you. And I'm going to start with the in-person. We've started with the online the last two. We're going to start with in-person on this one because I feel incredibly strongly about this part of it. And what I see that drives businesses into the ground and loses tons of market share and tons of referral partners is they have multiple salespeople, including the owner, who each have a different way that they run the business. They have a different way they communicate. They have a different way they follow up. They have a different way they run in-person meetings. And that inconsistency destroys companies. So how do you solve that? The best way I've seen 
is to take everybody together and have them write out their individual sales process. Then you can take the best practices from each of them and write the standard. Because if you don't have a standard of operating procedure here for the sales process, how are you communicating before, during, and after sales calls? Uh, SOPs, man. I mean, that's what that's what it is. It, but, it is. but it's such a gap because the owner just hires a guy and says, hey, he's a really good salesperson. Let me know how I can help you. That is an incredibly passive and reactive way to drive your sales team. It, no, it's, hey, here's our standards. Here's what I expect. Here's how I track them. Here's how I know you're doing it. Here's how I'm going to check in. Here's how I'm holding you accountable. If you're not doing that. I mean, going back to McDonald's, that's how McDonald's became a thing is because they were the first ever to have SOPs. They were the first one that said, this is how it's done. They had a they put the footprints on the floor so they could walk around and know exactly where everyone's moving. So they were an efficient machine. That's how it was created. And that's why it became the largest restaurant in the world for a while. It's still going to be largest. They're not the best. No, they're not the best anymore, but like they blew up and it's because they had a consistent operating procedure that every single person did every single time. And, but here's what happens when you don't have that. And I'm going to give you a very specific example that I have seen happen to me, which is how I learned it. The owner would go into this person and give one experience. Another salesperson would go in to give this experience. I would have a different experience. And what happens is, is if any one of you dropped the ball, unbeknownst to you, I gave client A a phenomenal experience. Client A refers my business to client B. Client B gets the other sales rep and does not have a good experience for a number of reasons. This happens a lot of businesses as they scale. They can't get the best employees. They get what's available. And that second employee to client B doesn't give them the same experience. Well, then client B goes back to client A and goes, this is really who you referred to me? Like, And that's if they say anything. And when they do that, you know what happens? Client B doesn't hire you because you've proven you're inconsistent. Client A now says, I can't trust to refer them because I can't have my friends thinking I'm an idiot for referring you. So you just lost a project and two potential referral partners in one environment when because employee B handled him client B terribly. And not even terribly, just not the same as the expectation that was. And if you can, if you if that's part of your business right now, if you have five to 10 salespeople in the field or even three to five salespeople in the field and they're all operating differently right now, your business is not as good as it could be because of the lack of trust in your environment. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose referrals. You're going to lose all you're that lose stuff. everything because they can't trust you. They may, they may know you, they may like you, but if they can't trust to refer you to their, their peers or their network or their neighbors, because every time your business shows up, they get a different experience you're and, not going to win. And here's a way to know if that's that's true. If someone calls up your business and said, hey, I don't want to work with so-and-so, I'd rather work with somebody else, then you have a completely different client experience and you don't have an SOP. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great checks and balance of it. And not that you need to fire said person that no, they don't want to deal come with. Together. You need to coach them. You need to train them. You need to improve them. You need to make them part of what the consistency is across the board. If you can harness that, you will win. If you can't, you're going to struggle. You're going to go through ebbs and flows, that whole roller coaster pipeline issue, the roller coaster you know, bank account. You're going to have good months, you're going to have bad months, but there's going to be no consistency to your process, your referral partners, your, your lead sourcing, because people can't trust 
to refer you out. And it comes down to that initial sales call and how consistently you're doing it. And, you know, I kind of had a experience with that with one of my, my guys that works with me, you know, we said we were going to get something out and we didn't get it out when we said we were going to get it out. Well, if I tell you that I'm going to have it done on Friday and then I don't have it done till the following Monday, you don't trust my word anymore. I'd rather you say, I'm going to get it done on Thursday the following week and you get it done Monday before. And now I'm like, wow, you exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Whatever that guy says, it's true. And he might come out on top. So rather than giving yourself a, a short timeline, make sure that you're saying things that you can actually follow up and do. So don't, we, we all get, you know, hung up on this is where I'll, I'll come in, give a, I'll send you a proposal tonight. What? Well, I, <laughs> I might've got out of that meeting at 6 PM. Yeah. That's not a smart thing to say, like be realistic. And if you tell them the realistic thing, they're happier. You know, I always tell every single person that I am going to get them their content in two weeks. I've never taken two weeks, but I say, yeah, it'll, it'll be two weeks. And every single time when I get it to them, they're like, you are so fast at getting it back to me because they think it's coming in two weeks and they get it in seven days. Well, and the biggest part of that is, is understanding when you have time to work on things. Cause you don't, if you don't know when you're going to get to something, of course, you're going to think best case scenario, but you forgot about those three other things. You'll go back to the audit your life episode about creating structure to your environment so that you can deliver on some of these things. But you know, it comes down to, you can't set proper expectations for other people if you don't have proper expectations for yourself. And if you're just reacting to the day and reacting to the fires and reacting to this or that, you can't set proper expectations. But if you can't deliver on what you say you're going to do, that would absolutely be number two. Mm-hmm. Maybe even number one, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the trust factor. I mean, that's all it is. If you tell me something and you don't deliver on what you told me, well, I don't trust you. <laughs> I mean, if, if you struggle with that, every time you give out an expectation, stop and think, can I actually deliver on this? Don't just spew shit out, out, just like off the cuff. And and this isn't just you. Think about your salespeople. If your salespeople are going your out production and manager. saying, hey, we can do this in two weeks, and you're not able to do it until four weeks, but they're telling every single person you're going to do it in two weeks, you might not know that. And you got to have that communication to say, what are you guys saying? Because we're getting people telling us we're slow, but we're right on time. Oh, we said, I thought we could rush that one through in two weeks. No, we can't. This is what we do. And so just keeping everybody on the same page, it's communication. It's the standard operating procedure. We're going to keep going back to that on this, you know, from the process standpoint. Yeah. Well, you can't keep consistency if you don't have a standard operating procedure, because here's what, here's where the biggest gap comes in is that you, you have a perfectly oiled machine. Everybody has the right expectations. Everybody's doing the right thing. And then your two best employees find other jobs. And then you bring in two more people who have their own background, their own perspective, their own thoughts on how things should be done. They just start doing things their way because you haven't been used to like overseeing it. But they also weren't told how you wanted it. So they're going to do it the best way they know how. That's not at anybody's fault but the owners who's not delivering what the standards are to, to, to operate by. And that consistency in no matter who they deal with or who they talk to, they get the same level of professionals, they get the same experience, they get the same responsiveness, they get the same expectation, consistency, so that it can be trusted. There's no quicker or faster way to become trusted or become a lack of trust in an environment like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I hate seeing it. Because I've, and trust me, guys, like I'm not pulling this out of my ass. Like I've been through this. 
I've been a high performer in the sales environment. And when I got into leadership, I struggled initially because I just assumed everybody did the things the same way I did. I just assumed everybody had the same integrity that I did. I just assumed that everybody worked as diligently and as responsive and as ethically and as, and setting the proper expectations. But man, that is, that was just so much farther from the truth than I ever would have realized until I got into a leadership role. And, you know, it was, it was amazing what simple like weekly sales meetings did to get people on the same page. What some sort of a standard, Hey, here's how we're answering the phone. Here's how quickly I expect people to be followed up with. Here's how I expect meetings to be started. Here's how I expect. And it, you know, I just said it this way and I'm going to kind of contradict myself a little bit. I'm I'm trying to catch it, but it's not about you as the leader. It's not about what you want. It's about what the clients need to have so that the business can be fruitful. I'm saying this because I was put in a leadership position to then execute on what the best operation is based on what our clients are telling us. Yeah. And it's, it creates trust And I mean, this is the best way to describe it to your employees. If we don't do it this way, we're going to lose trust in the marketplace, which means we're going to lose potential opportunities, which means we're all going to make less money. And look, if employee A drops the ball, it affects employee C. If employee C drops the ball, it affects employee B. Everybody's affected when the client can't trust your business. Everybody hurts. You're going to have to fire production people. You're going to have to hire new salespeople. You might have to close the doors because your marketplace doesn't trust you. And like trust is probably the biggest issue in the home service industry. It's one of the biggest issues and concerns that I see that is like the standard operating procedure of the home services is to not trust you. And there's some legitimacy to that, but it also makes it really easy to differentiate yourself if you can be trusted and how to be trusted is be consistent and do what you say you're going to do. And that sounds really simple, but go audit yourself. When's the last time you didn't meet something? It might've been something simple. Like you might've told your wife, you'll be home at six and you got home at seven 30. You might've told your kids, you're going to take them to the park on Saturday and you didn't. You might've told a client, you're gonna have a proposal to him on Thursday. You got to him on Friday. No big deal. Right. But remember that how you do anything is how you do everything in the minute. And like, that's a really like asinine statement in general. It's clearly not true in its format, but it's how people perceive it. If they think you're not, you don't have attention to detail in your proposal. They're going to assume you don't have attention to detail in their project. If they, if you say you're going to get a proposal on Thursday and you get to them on Friday, well, they're going to think the same thing's going to happen. You tell them, Hey, it's gonna be a four week project. Oh, it turned into eight. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But I'm telling you the subconscious of the client, of the decision maker, of the homeowner, of whoever your target market is, if you can't set the standard on the simple thing that you have control over, like the proposal or like the meeting and showing up on time, they're not going to trust you when you tell them it's going to be a four-week project. And if you expect them to, you're an idiot. Right. So from a taking it back to the other level, like, you know, that's from a personality and an in-person standpoint, going back to the digital of the content that you should be creating to develop trust before somebody's a purchaser of your service. What are some styles of content that you can do to develop trust with somebody to say, that is somebody I would like to reach out and possibly hire. First thing is what works really well is other people praising your service that you did a good job having Google reviews, five stars. That means a lot. Real ones, authentic ones. That says a lot for your business. So try and get... Not your wife. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tiff. Um, So Google reviews are something really, really important that you could very, very easily go get to then have people trust that you are a good business. 
client testimonials. Have somebody write in or go on video saying what it was like to work with you and what their experience is what. That goes a very, very long way. From another level, though, just education. Being a thought leader, putting out educational material for your clients. If I'm teaching you as a client of what it's like to uh, remodel your front porch, the process that you need to go to, what you should look into when you're trying to find the perfect person to do your remodel. If I'm putting out that educational information, I'm the thought leader. I'm the one that's creating this. I'm the one that's smart enough to put that stuff out there. And so that means I'm the person that you trust when you're going to look for more information on that. So the educational material is more on that trust factor. You can also do it on the no factor, but you don't really get much of the likability in that. It's not the initial wow. Like people want to be entertained. I think you've right. said this a lot. You know, I use education and entertainment kind of hand in hand to an extent because like the most amazing entertaining video with no meat on the bone from a message perspective, it works, but it's not going to be great. It can be part of it. Like I'll use TikTok as an example. TikTok is great for entertaining, incredibly difficult to educate somebody in a TikTok video. You can, it's just not going to be as effective. It's not going to be as effective. So, but from that standpoint of, we kind of talked about this in the, the last episode around being able to overcome that person's fear ahead of time. If you are able to say, hey, I know a lot of clients deal with this, 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 and this, and this is how we deal with that, or this is how we overcome that, this is why our process, like, you're making them trust you more because you're saying things in a way that they are thinking already. And they're able to see themselves, and I say this all the time now, if you haven't read the book Brand Story, highly suggested when it comes to understanding content creation, but if you're- Story brand? Story brand, sorry. Daniel Miller. Thank you. wrote it. Appreciate it. I've read it like three times. I really like it. It's a great book. Yeah. I mean, I re- I've read it once. Um, well, I've listened to it three times. Okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but you pick up something new every time yeah. you read a book or listen to a book. But your client, you need to be, your client to be able to see themselves as a character in your story, which means you need to be able to relate to them in a way that they're already thinking. So part of that's research. You know, understand what your target market is thinking and dealing with and what kind of part of their decision-making process involves. But then it's like aligning yourself with that in your messaging and your video be entertaining, but make it about things that your clients are thinking about dealing with, or they're hesitant about, they're fearful of, they're anxious about. Cause if you can point out the things that they're afraid of and then show them why they shouldn't be afraid of it by hiring you, that is a, almost immediate trust in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I like the educational aspect. You know, you're really teaching people what it is that you do. And so if you're the one teaching them, then they're going to say, man, this guy's smart. I trust him. You know, I trust what he says. The kind of last thing that I look at from a content perspective is being invited on stages as a speaker, being invited on podcast being invited in videos, being in the newspaper. Basically, it's the PR aspect of it. If you're being invited on any sort of thing, I mean, even if it's a simple podcast, being a speaker on a podcast gives you a ton of street cred. Tons. And it doesn't matter what size that podcast is. But people see and put you on a pedestal when you're on a podcast because you've been invited on. That means you must be a thought leader. You must be an expert in something to be invited as a guest on that. So newspaper, uh, news, TV show, you know, just anybody's videos, anything. When you're invited, 
to be a guest speaker or be a guest at something, you need to document that and let people know. Well, I mean, like, well, using it right now, if you're listening to this, and I think it was last week we talked about the the podcast that Ryan hosts about with the LKN in the Lake Norman area, and you're a service company in the Lake Norman area, you own a business like Norman area, and you're like, well, let me just DM Ryan and see if he needs a guest. I promise you, guarantee, guys, I will say yes. I promise you, anybody out there who hosts a show that requires guests needs more guests. Mm-hmm. It's one of the hardest parts. Like, if you don't know this, I also host Remodeling the Carolinas, and it is a interview style with industry experts in the remodeling home service industry. So go check it out. But the hardest part of that podcast is lining up guests that will show up and, and have good content for people that want to learn about. It. And like the guests I've had have been great, but sometimes it's kind it's very difficult to organize all of that. Mm-hmm. So if you're a business owner in a specific area, find somebody who has a podcast or start your own or start your own. But let's be honest, the average listener is not going to do that. They're not going to, but there's a, there's a secret tip where you, if you start your own, you invite other people on, they're going to, you're going to be able to collaborate and they're going to share your content. And that's why Mike and I do this because we get to use both of our networks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's if no one's doing it, then you should be doing yeah. it. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we talked about this. There's there's 800,000 podcasts in existence right now, which sounds like a it's lot. It's probably grown, but that was the last but, time but I did my It's research. under a million. It's, uh, it's, oh, hopefully, but <laughs> It sounds like a lot until you realize that there's five to seven million listeners a day, mm-hmm. which means like there's incredibly more demand than supply right now. And you don't need a ton of listeners. We talked about this early on in the no side. You, you don't need 100 million followers to be successful. If you had 2,000 that were targeted in your geographic area that were specific referral partners and they were following you, like if you're a home service company, you could start an entire podcast around real estate agents. I mean, I have the, we'll go back and this is a couple of podcasts ago, the girl that's doing her, um, the, the woman that's, <laughs> I'm never going to call her a woman. I, I'm always going to know her as like a little high school girl. <laughs> um, so she's starting her YouTube channel. We have zero videos on her YouTube channel right now. She only had 1800 Instagram followers when we started this put out something. I'm starting my YouTube channel. I need subscribers so I can go do blah, blah, blah. She got 250 subscribers on her YouTube channel with zero videos because we asked and it was an engaged audience. 1800 people. We got 250 subscribers by doing nothing other than saying, Hey, I'm starting this. Could you please go subscribe? And point being, you could start your own. It's not expensive. It's actually incredibly inexpensive. Like for $20 a month, you could, you could have an episode a week, but there's also probably somebody in your geographic area like Ryan, who, what's the name of that one again? Welcome home LKN. So you're a home service company. That's a good one. If you're anywhere around Lake Norman, I'll have you on. Just send me a DM, <laughs> Ryan Weber LKN on Instagram. But to Ryan's point, it puts you in an authoritative role, which has a connotation of credibility instantly. Just, just being podcast, honest. We say you are the guest. We are interviewing you. You're the expert in whatever it is you do. So we want to highlight you. Like we're making all this content for you. So why not try and get on podcast? You can go around and ask anybody in your area, just type in, in the podcast and see if there's any podcasts in your area. Hey, I'd love to be a guest. I, I really enjoy podcasts. Is Do you have any need for somebody with what I do? It's very, very easy and simple. I mean, it, I, I've used this before and I'm sure I've said it on this podcast at some point is uh, one of the best prospecting messages I've ever used is would you benefit from a relationship with insert what you do? And it really just shakes the tree and gets the lowest hanging fruit where you need them. And if you were to send that to 10 people 
a month that have some sort of a platform you could add value to your credibility, your, your awareness, your likability, your trustability will all increase and it didn't cost you any money. Mm-hmm. It just put you in front of the right people at the right time with a good personality and a good message. You are going to crush your competition, not win, not kind of win, not sustain. You are going to crush your competition if you were doing this consistently. Thank you for listening. My goal is to take the guesswork out of how to properly sell within the construction industry. Once you nail this part of the process and get your sales and business development clicking, it makes everything about the job that much easier. If you have any specific scenarios or questions you want answered, shoot me an email, mike at bigstudsales.com, and follow me on Instagram at winrateconsulting. Remember, win fast and win often. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.